Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and destiny and purpose. And there is ultimate meaning and destiny and purpose that all of us can choose to enter into. It is a matter of choice. For those of you that are new, I just want to briefly mention that I have on my website at ultimatemeaning.com a flipbook where there's original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me that you can read. A lot of it is highlighted in red, which are links to amazing and profound YouTube videos, which highly confirm the reality of what I am sharing here, which is the very meaning and purpose for which you were created and exist. And all things consist and exist. And what is that? It is love. I am talking about the ultimate manifestation and perfection of love, the very source of love and reality, the one true eternal God. These messages are for those that have come to know the one true eternal God, for whom to know is life eternal, as mentioned in John 17 in the Word of God. Now, what I do is I seek to speak these messages as the Word of God commands. It says in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. This is referring to believers when they cover, come together and gather around Jesus Christ, who is the one true eternal God, manifested fully in human form in this creation realm. And I'm not here to get into that at this time. I just want to briefly mention here that when we gather together around Jesus Christ, we are all to seek to have words come forth out of us by the Spirit of God that are beyond ourselves. And how does that happen? Well, it mentions in Revelations 19.10, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And of course, prophecy is speaking as the oracles of God, or in other words, God speaking through us beyond ourselves. It comes out of worship. When we worship God out of a pure heart in spirit and in truth with great reverence and love for God, we are filled with his spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves. The results in creative utterances coming forth, whether it's in the form of a song or a word of encouragement or exhortation or a prayer or whatever means it comes forth. It can come forth and be the words that are coming forth out of the Spirit of God. As Christ said, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. And when we speak out of the Spirit of God, it is not mere intellectual, mere empty dead words. They are words that are filled with life and power. And so I pray that today I will speak out of a heart set and a mindset of worship what God is seeking to say. And what I do to facilitate this is I choose two potential chapters from the Bible, which are chosen by the casting of lot through some random applications on the internet that will randomly choose the possibility of any chapter in the Bible. So I use two independent random applications 
to get two chapters that would bear witness with each other as to the theme of what God would be saying by his Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me, I do have a slight bit of a tickle of a coffee cough left yet, which is probably one reason why I haven't spoken for a while as normally, and also because I'm so close to getting my book published, which will be titled Afterlife Incredible Irrefutable, which is 367 pages in total. And of course, I would say about 300, I don't know, 40 of them are the actual book uh, without the preface, introduction, etc. But that book is coming up very soon, which is an in-depth um, understanding and insight, exposing a lot of deception as well and confirming the reality of the afterlife of heaven and of hell. So that will be a very amazing book when it comes out. But I'm here to share with you what I received. And one of the things I do is I cast lots, as I mentioned. This is very scriptural, was extensively practiced in the Old Testament by many key figures such as Moses and Joshua and Solomon, King David, etc. It was used by the early church to choose the apostle that would take the place of Judas that betrayed Christ, and probably a lot more. It was used by powerful movements of church history, such as the Moravians, which even used it to choose their wives. That was the Moravian movement, which lasted for about a hundred years. Powerful movement of revival. And there are many scriptures, of course. It says the casting of the lot and the whole disposing thereof is the Lord in Proverbs 16, 33. I want to share with you the two chapters I received today by the cast. No, actually, it's not just going to be it's not going to be today. It's going to be what I received in the last two days by the casting of Lot before God more so than today. I decided to focus on those two chapters instead of spending time on another two chapters today, although I did choose two chapters today, but I do not think I will get into those two chapters. Um, before I get into that, I also seek for God to guide me to a really good worship song, and I keep on adding to the playlist, which is on my site at loverealize.com, where I haven't added it up, but I'm sure there's well over 100 high-quality worship songs there, all made so that you can watch them with the words coming into display on YouTube video so they can be used in a church. If you can run your YouTube video onto the screen in your church service, you can have your congregation join along and of course, almost all these songs are accompanied with very beautiful instruments and corporate congregational singing. <clears throat> so you don't even need, if you are starting a new church, to have people necessarily up at the front with instruments. Well, I want to share with you, first of all, the song that I think we will play today because I was planning to use it in the previous messages. It was just one that I felt was a good one to um, add with the many songs. So we will go to that song now. I hope it's not going to play from the middle, but from the beginning here. Let's see. Yeah, it is.
Addiction starts to break, declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus, because your name is power, your name is healing, your name is love. Break Every stronghold shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, oh, shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus
to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. So that is the song that you can watch on the playlist on my website at loverealize.com. I want to now share with you the chapters that were received by the casting of Lot. This is to facilitate speaking as the oracles of God. I only meditate on these chapters for a half an hour and then preach. And I think in these two cases, I didn't even spend that much time on them. Um... So we will turn now to those two chapters that I received by the casting of Lot before the Lord. Back on Tuesday, I received Luke 18 and Daniel 6. The common theme between these two chapters is overcoming faith. It continues to believe and trust in God against overwhelming, life-threatening circumstances. And so we will read some of Luke 18 and Daniel chapter 6. And then before I get into that, I want to also emphasize the next day, or actually, I missed a day there. Uh, 
But the next time, on Thursday, on I received Hebrews 11 and John 8. That's November the 24th of 2022. And again, the theme was on faith in both of those chapters. So now let's just go back to um, begin with Luke chapter 18 and some of the key verses in Luke that stood out. And we begin reading in verse 6, and it says, The Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? That is the question. Though this is the case, that when you prevail and you continue to prevail through prayer, with your moral persuasion in God, pistis, meaning faith, which basically means moral persuasion in who God is, when you prevail, God will avenge you speedily. I want that kind of faith that prevails, the Lord is saying. And is there going to be that faith that prevails through every circumstance until there's breakthrough when I come? It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. And the reason there is deliverance for the righteous is because the righteous do not trust in their own righteousness, but in the righteousness that is of God. And I want to go on to explain this further from Luke here. Jesus goes on and he mentions in verse 16 and 17, but Jesus called them, called them unto him and said, Suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the rule of God in their lives, you could put it that way, or the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter thereinto. So for us to even be saved means that we become converted in such a way that we become humble and trusting like a little child. In the context of this in Luke 18, is that Christ is talking just before this. The word of God is mentioning about those that trust in their own righteousness. So I want to just go particularly to Luke 18 now. We mentioned about the widow who keeps on crying out to God and will not give up. And so this man that doesn't fear God says, oh, just to get stop this widow from bothering me, I'm going to avenge her. I'm going to answer her cry. And the Lord says, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God judge his own elect? But then he goes on, and this is the parable. He speaks a parable after that, explaining more about this faith that he's talking about. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. 
The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week. I give thighs of all that I possess, and the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You know, the word of God describes faith in Luke 17 as being as a grain of mustard seed. And if you look at the context of that description of faith being described as a grain of mustard seed, the context, again, is a context of humility. This is talking about the humility and the reverence that we need before God, and this only can be birthed out of the genuine fear of God. And what is the genuine fear of God? It is a choice certainly, that involves the deep turning of your heart to reciprocate who God in reality is. First, in the perfection of his being of love, in its integrity that will not tolerate sin, which is the holiness of God. And I often describe it in my teaching, the way the Lord is showing me to teach it, is that God's love has such purity and integrity that it always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice, because any lesser choice as such would have a measure of corruption. It is so pure and integrous that it is a blazing fire of love that devours all that is contrary to love. This love that always chooses the highest lasting good, that does not tolerate corruption, that is the very antithesis of corruption, the very destroyer of corruption, replacing corruption with goodness and creativity that ever enlarges in greater and greater fulfillments of pleasure and fellowship out of relationship with God. Trusting in God involves a turning in the heart to reciprocate God first in his holiness. And God is very severe against sin. And if we do not recognize the severity of God against sin, we are not recognizing the reality of God's love in its absolute integrity and purity. And therefore, we are falling short of entering into the righteousness that is not of ourselves, but is of God. God is calling each of us into a deeper and deeper relationship with him in the way we were first converted. It says, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him or continue to abide in him it is the very secret of abiding the genuine fear of god 
To reciprocate who God is, that he is ultimately trustworthy, is only possible in perceiving that he will not tolerate sin. But it is easy when you see all the suffering that, you're, that you find God allows maybe in your own life, certainly in your own life, and when you look at all the suffering around you, to begin to become unthankful and upset that God will allow these things in your life. This is what happened to Cain. He got accepted the consequences of the curse. And there was an element of unthankfulness that resulted in a wrong perception of God as less than ultimately trustworthy. Doubt about who God really is. Seeing his holiness in a perverted way that is not good. The holiness of God is good because it ensures that there can be goodness without corruption. If there's corruption, corruption destroys goodness. Goodness cannot continue forever. But if there is no toleration for sin, for corruption, goodness can go on forever and ever. And we are assured of an inheritance where moth and rust does not corrupt, where it goes on forever, where there is no corruption. And so the holiness of God, as severe as it is in our own lives and of those around us, is not we do not focus on the consequences of God's holiness, upon, but upon the goodness of God's holiness, that he is so integrous that he will not allow corruption to go without the consequences of judgment. And so we recognize our undoneness before God in the view of his holiness, the integrity of his love, And it's when we really see that, that we can really know the love of God that is so great that he would forgive us. To think that God would take judgment upon himself for you, would humble himself more than you, a mere creature, and suffer more than you, a mere creature, and that he loves you that much. And believe me, I've written the book and done my research on genuine Christians that have died highly verified to have been dead for a long time, like Dean Braxton, B-R-A-X-T-O-N. Just type in N-D-E, standing for near-death experiences, and type in Dean Braxton on YouTube and watch how he describes what he experienced in heaven. And he experienced, and there are many other genuine Christians also in my book that experienced the very same thing, that they knew that Christ loved them so strongly and the love was way beyond anything that can be experienced in this world, in a dimension far greater, far more real than this world by many, 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 many times. As one described, it's like comparing 3D to 2D paper. That's how much more real that realm is in comparison to this realm. This would be like 2D paper compared to 3D. That is how real and great it is in heaven and what they experienced of God's love was like that God loved them so much that they knew that if they were the only one God created, he would have died for them. He would have suffered for them that much for them to be saved and to become his children. 
So how can we reject a love that great for us? How terrible it is to reject who God is because of this love that is so great in God, that always was in God in the infinite past. God always had that quality that could love to that degree. And it was, of course, revealed in the time and space creation realm. Though he was slain before the world was created, it was a reality in this realm in time and space that happened in history. And yes, we can know a righteousness by a moral persuasion in who God is. It's faith that works by love. It is our moral persuasion, which is what the word faith means in the original, and who God is that causes us to perceive God as being so awesome and ultimately trustworthy that how can we not humble ourselves? It is the most obvious thing to do, to be totally honest and transparent before God and humble ourselves under his mighty hand. And it is out of that humility that is birthed of faith that is not puffed up, but that is like a grain of mustard seed. What is the context of the chapter before Luke 18? The context that describes more about what this grain of mustard seed faith is like is the context of a servant who prepares after his master comes home the master's meal first. And when the master is eaten and satisfied and the dishes are all done, then he has his own meal. And he says to his master, we've only done that which is our duty to do. We are unprofitable servants. That is the attitude of humility and of absolute reverence and love before the God that is the genuine fear of God that God wants to restore in these last days that will birth a faith that is pure and overcoming. Genuine faith is not puffed up with our own righteousness or our own conceits. It cannot help but be in a place of great humility before God and great reverence before him continually. When you really love someone, you don't treat them as common. You treat them as exceedingly precious. And in that, there is great respect and reverence. And that is what is so lacking in much of the body of Christ. In this hour, God is calling his people to return to the genuine fear of God. To have this faith that we are like little children before him. In humility, with simple reciprocative relationship of delight in who God is and his holy, pure love. And of the, what springs out of that, which is the mercy of God, that he could have forgiven us so much and has forgiven us so much because we've repented and received and confessed our sins. And if we do not confess our sins, he cannot forgive us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we do not want to be those that become proud in our own righteousness and thank God for how dedicated we've been all our lives to God. And wow, we're not like this person. God, deliver us from pride. 
Deliver us from self-righteousness in this hour that we would be those that would not judge according to appearance, but judge by the Spirit of God, looking beyond the outward appearance at the heart. The issue in a brother or sister being received is that we receive them as Christ received us. It says we're to receive one another as Christ received us. But when you have a denominative mindset that, oh, you don't fit into my little church the way I want the church to be, or you don't fit into my little mold, therefore I better be a little bit distant from you instead of loving one another fervently with a pure heart. God calls us to receive one another as Christ received us and to love one another fervently with a pure heart. And Christ goes on and and the next scene is the scene of the rich young ruler. And here's the issue with the rich young ruler. He's looking at his own righteousness and saying, I've kept all these laws from my youth. What do I lack, master? And Jesus says to him, why are you calling me good? None is good save one that is God. What is he meaning here? Because Jesus is fully God manifest in the flesh. And yet it sounds like he's saying the opposite here. But he isn't. This man is looking at Christ as a master because he's doing certain things. He's keeping all these laws. And he's saying, you're good because you're doing this and this and this and this. You are, must be very perfect because God is with you because you've done this and this and this and that's why God is with you. And he's not seeing God that is in Christ. And Christ is saying, my goodness is out of my relationship, a love with who I am, abiding in which is who I am myself in my triunity. He's not mentioning the Trinity to him, of course, but... He's saying, it is because I'm in God the Father that I am good, because my sonship is out of God the Father, and it is out of that abiding relationship that I am good. And so why are you perceiving me independent of my relationship coming out of God? That is where my righteousness comes from. Oh, my goodness doesn't come out of myself, but out of my abiding relationship with God. And of course, we read in Isaiah chapter, I believe it is 33, if I've got it right, certainly 33 or 35. It says, concerning the Messiah, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. Because when you are reciprocating who God is in his goodness, God the Father in his goodness, you are entering in to a union with the being of God who is good. And so his goodness is dwelling in you because you have a love relationship with God, a moral persuasion of God that works out of your perception of God's love first and the integrity of love, which is the holiness of God, out of which springs the mercy of love and the grace of love. God is calling us to return to having such a relationship with him that we do not see one another from the carnal mind or the fleshly line, 
Henceforth we know no one after the flesh. Even though we knew Christ Jesus after the flesh, henceforth we know him no more but after the Spirit. We need to learn to reciprocate Christ in one another and see the goodness of God in one another that is not of ourselves but is of God. God is calling us to repent of having a denominative mindset. I cannot believe that it's already 36 minutes since I started preaching here. And I've hardly got into anything, and I didn't get even into the other two chapters I received. So I will just briefly explain what Luke, what is in Daniel 6 that is about the same theme of faith. The theme is on faith, and in Daniel chapter 6, we read about Daniel being thrown to the lion's den. And of course, the king was very much grieved that he allowed the Medes to make this law in order to destroy Daniel and had to seal the lion's den and was praying that God would protect him. And indeed, God did protect Daniel. And then it says this, then was the king exceeding glad. Okay, it's a little earlier. Um, the king calls out in, in, to Daniel, thinking that maybe the lions have devoured him. And he's very grieved. Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouth, that they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Daniel believed God. And then, we continue to read this in Daniel 6. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, languages, that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. And his kingdom shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So then Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus in Persia. And then the next day on Thursday, what do I receive? Hebrews 11, which is the chapter on faith. <clears throat> and so all I'm going to do is read the theme verse of Hebrews 11 and the theme verse of John 8 that I received the following day, confirming the message that God is wanting to speak in this particular time to the body of Christ. It's on faith. And so in eight, John 8, 29 to 32, and he said, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we go on. So he's saying, if as he spake these words, many believed on him. And he's calling those that believe from their heart on him to continue to persevere. 
Because when you persevere, you will have a revelation of greater and greater reality of God in your life that will free you from the bondage of fear, which is the consciousness of loss, which can only be swallowed up when you enter in to a perfect love that casts out fears, it says in 1 John. Now in Hebrews 11, I'm reading this in the Amplified. Now faith is the assurance, that is the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, that is divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, that is the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. For by this kind of faith, the men of old gain divine approval. And God is calling his people to live that life of faith that is described in Hebrews 11 in the example of many, many lives. Many, many lives. And so we read this. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. And I described how Cain had a wrong perception of God. It was a counterfeit fear of God that perceived God as a dictator, did not perceive the goodness of God's holiness, that perceived God as someone that needed to be appeased with sacrifice. God testifying his gifts out of, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I've already been speaking for 42 minutes. And so God bless you and thank you for listening to this message. And I ask that you would help support me by purchasing my book, which online right now is God, Headship, and Body Invasion. The other book will be up there soon, too. Depends how long it takes for me to get the book cover done. But it's God, Headship, and Body Invasion, which shares everything you can do in your local congregation to not limit the fullness of the Headship of Christ from inhabiting your gatherings together around Christ so that the darkness is broken over your community and city and town and over your nation, that you conquer your nation in these last days with the end-time move of God's Spirit and come forth as his conquering, fearless bride church. He doesn't want anything less. So look at what I have in that book. It's well over, it's almost, I think it's something like 250 to 270 pages. So there's a lot in that book as well. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this message.